Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumbacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to week 13. It's a gameplay pod and I have with me a host of knowledgeable people about gameplay and that includes uh, James. Welcome. Thank you much, Ben. It's good to have you on and we also have with us Neil Guides. Good to have you back on. Hello, thank you very much again for the invite. Thank you for coming. And we have Richard Buckley as well. Good to have you back on and sorry to hear you. You're feeling a little under the weather, right? Yeah, not not the greatest at the moment. So um, if you're a little bit of spluttering in the background, just just forget about that. Um, But no, thank you for having me back on as always. And uh, interesting time on FIFA at the moment. It certainly is. And actually, let's dive in straight away and talk gameplay because we're sort of continuing on from the supporter episode last week which Neil Guides was on actually a, a very rare early plug for the uh, patron if you'd like to support the pod keep it going and get double podcasts uh, an extra podcast every week including that gameplay episode in fact all gameplay episodes uh, it's a good time to do that because uh, there's a giveaway going on on the patron so just search support for weekly anyway over to you Neil basically what I was saying was the 352 you don't really see it very often it's interesting to know you've been playing it quite a bit uh, a lot of people wouldn't say it was maybe meta and was just wondering what your thoughts were on that so I think personally, three five two is always meta. Well, what makes something meta? Normally, most of the time, a pro uses it. Everyone else realizes, wow, this is actually meta. Then everyone else <laughs> starts using it. That's how it becomes really something becomes meta. But to be honest, I've always been using a three at the back for the past three years. And to be honest, without the three five two, I would have struggled in FIFA because it does make the game a lot more fun as well. Don't get me wrong, you're mm. a bit more open defensively. Attacking wise, you're, you're, you have so many options. You got left mids, right mids. You got a cam. You got two strikers, and you got two CDMs. 
Um, you can also use a 3412, and I've also experimented with other ones, but I just find for me personally speaking, the 352 is the best kind of ultra attack and ultra defensive at the same time. Mm, and what tactics do you tend to use to do that, you know, in terms of the attacking? Uh, is it like direct passing, forward runs, or uh, any particular ones that you've got set up there? So, this year, actually, in particular, um, I actually use a mixture of both direct passing and forward runs. I used to only use forward runs on old gen last year. Um, mm. But this year, to be honest, I'm actually leaning more towards forward runs. I know many people don't use it. People use direct passing a lot more. But I think for my playstyle, I find forward runs to be a bit more effective. But what I do is I put the strike on, come back and defense. So you actually defend in like a 5-3-1-1. So that is why the only weakness of a 3-5-2 is like getting done on the counter attack. If you lose the ball, or let's say you're not too good with dribbling and you lose the ball in the midfield, or you only have a back three if you lose the ball on a build-up or on a final third, it's probably the only weakness of a 3-5-2 is probably like the back three. Whereas, for example, like a 5-2-1-2 or something like that, you can already just stay at the left back and right back on the step back while attacking. So you have that, that security, I suppose, you can see on a counter-attack. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like the thing with three at the back has always been defending pace, basically, in behind. But actually, in some ways, it can be advantageous to be in a three at the back, right? Because you can kind of cut the angle better with the centre-back, can't you? So have you found this actually fine? Because a big problem people are having at the moment is the discrepancy between you know, defensive pace and attacking pace and basically getting burned in behind. But do you find it is fine to uh, use the three at the back in that situation? I think most people struggle with is positioning. So that's why, regardless of your level, I always say try to get the fastest centre-back you can. Um, I think most people play like a two strike or like a four one two on two with a cam and a strike on stay forward. So it's basically a three versus three. And then what people do is once their CDMs get beat, they always run out with a center back. So I always mm. say, um, as general rule of thumb, if you're going to use a three five two, if it was me, I'll have the left center back and right center back as full backs, personally speaking. But if you can't, and let's say you're worried about chemistry and everything, I would say just get the fastest back line you can get. So in my opinion, no Marquinhos, just for the beginning, get yourself used to it. And then you can start using slower center backs when you're used to your positioning. Yeah, I often found that when I'm defending with a back three, that it, it does feel like you get exposed more easily. And I've always found it a bit difficult. Do you tend to want to control your defensive midfielders most of the time and like leave the back three in shape? Because I guess when I'm defending in a four, I'm kind of wanting to put pressure with my defenders. So I'll grab like a full back and maybe move them inside if they're narrow or something like that, because I don't want to move the two center backs. So do you basically just try and move the CDMs as much as possible. Let's say I had the ball in the final third and I'm attacking and I get counter-attacks. Let's assume everyone gets beat and I only... So normally if I have one CDM on bat, let's say I say it's two CDMs on step up while attacking because then you could be risky with one and have one guy sitting. If I only have one CDM back, let's say in theory, I just run back with them. So I kind of treat them like a temporary centre-back. So if I need to, I okay. can always attack the person or the ball carrier or the person that's going to get past it. I can always attack them with my CDM. But I'm essentially just waiting for my left mid and right mid to come back and make that back five. So that's why also pace on the wing is important. If you can, high, high work rates as well. Um, but I'm essentially just waiting for those players to come back so I can unify into a back five. So that CDM, I think of him like a temporary centre-back. So that's why I get to have Vieira there right now. So if I do get countered, I just run back straight with him. If there's a good chance to win the ball, I'd be aggressive. But if I'm not sure, I always just run back. I just, I feel like with the back three, there's like, I don't know, maybe it's like, Ben, you can speak to this, but in like the, the, regardless of how you set up, I feel like maybe on the North American server, you're always playing against someone that's trying to counter. Mm -hmm. And mm. I just feel like the 
the way the three five two sets up, it shouldn't work this way. But the midfield is still just so easy to play through, and I find that like the formation just ends up not particularly well balanced at the back, and there is always room to, I guess, like exploit the back line. Mm. The thing I see a lot over here as well is wing bashing. Right, as soon as someone plays with a four four two four triple two. There is a lot of going down the wings, looking for that through ball to release the wide player or trying to hit really quickly and, you know, catch that space between fullback and centre-back, certainly if you bring them forward. So maybe the three at the back, you know, it allows you to cut the angle and then stop them cutting it back, I guess, maybe. It, but how But how consistently do you stop cutbacks once people actually get to the end line? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it is very hard to stop. I know it's something we talked about recently on the pod, actually. Is that what you mean? It's just hard to stop them. Yeah, can, I'm, what I'm saying is like once you could have five center backs, but once someone makes it to your like end line and is out wide, they're mm. going to just charge a pass up to the middle and it's going to like, even if they're blindly doing it half the time, it's going to find the attacker at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we say like, you're always better with even a back five because let's assume the ball is on your right hand side, the right flank, and it's coming down your right flank. If you, have a, if you have a mid or let's say a back three, your right center back has to go and commit and then you have one centre-back in the middle. And if someone's got two strikers, there's a good chance someone's going to be unmarked. Um, especially if playing like a 4-2-4 or 4-4-2 or 4 2 Anything with just like four players across the front. But if you've got a back four or back five, the way that I defend with it quite consistently for the past couple of years is, is I would send, so if it's down the right flank, I would send my right back to teammate contain. And I would take the risk and man-mark the person in the middle or the main key area. It's true what Jake said. People just spam the driven pass, but sometimes AI even helps you and goes to a completely different player. Um, but what I also use is uh, partial team press as well. Ah, uh, okay. So it's all about timing. But if you can get the timing right, you can actually do it quite consistently. But as Jake said, there's still some people that just spam aimlessly. And sometimes you're like, I can't even, somebody, you can't even see it. And even neither can your opponent. They just spam it and open prey. And they game of the system sometimes, but... Yeah, it works. it works. It works. Too effective, in my opinion. Way too effective. But that's the way that I deal with it. So even if I do get count... If I've got a back three, worst case scenario, if in doubt, I take them out. Like, let's say if I'm like, okay, this is dangerous. He's got a four strikers on stay forward. He knows what he's doing. I'm not changed formation in time. I may just take him out. I might just say, you know what, to the yellow card, whatever. Mm. That's if I'm really, really not sure. So if that does happen, I just take him out, basically. It should be said, actually... I feel like it was like a year or two ago they made it so it's much harder to do a tactical foul. Players just ride it way better than they used to. Um, but there is hard tackles yes, and I think people forget about this. Yeah, so you, what, you hold R1, RB and then press slide tackle. Yes. Um, and that'll give you a nice uh, aggressive lunge into the player which will actually take them out and stop the counter. So I think that that is definitely worth saying because it's something that I was struggling with until I remembered that that button existed. One point on this, actually, you mentioned using partial team press, and that is where you tap R1 or RB and then tap it again and hold it, and that does the partial team press. So you're saying you use that to stop the cutbacks uh, because it sends defensive players to tightly mark uh, the attacking players, right? Yeah. Uh, and I guess that that's why it helps. It sounds quite easy and when you speak about it. So basically two players, that's why you need two centre-backs. They go ahead and mark the two players inside the middle. AI actually has a good job recognising which players to get most of the time, in my opinion. Um, mm. But the problem is, is timing. You do it too early, then they move too quick and then the opponent's players run offside and onside and become completely unmarked. 
So it's all about okay. timing. So when he's running down the line and he's kind of standing still, he or she's standing still, you've got to make a decision. Okay, now I'm going to double tap R1 or RB to activate team, partial team press. And then I would manually switch to a center back, cover the near post angle, and then apply teammate contain with my right back to their winger. So it's all about time. But if you get that timing wrong, it could be all over the place. And that is why it, it's quite risky, but it, it, it is used quite a lot in the lead division without the partial team press. But I think when you add that in, um, it's quite easy to defend if your timing is correct. But again, if you get timing wrong, then you're probably going to concede. So, Richard, do you see any do you see any three five two in the pro scene? No, I was about to say, I've, I don't think I've seen anyone play a three back all year, mm. especially now post patch with how quick players are. Like, yep. you, you can't get away with using three centre backs really. And I, pros are we won't take the risk of using a non. Other than Vieira, but even then they put Vieira in. Uh, they start Hullet at centre-back and then put Vieira centre-mid and then swap them in game. They wouldn't use a non-centre-back at centre-back just because... Yeah, of the penalty. Like, if, if if it goes wrong, you then, you've got an instant excuse. 4-2-2-1-4-4-2. I think there might be a few fives coming in. Like the... if someone's, five, one, two, two. Yeah, if people are playing really defensive, but... Over two legs, typically a fallback will just come out on top. Someone has to be elite at using a certain formation, like a five-back, for it to work, if that makes mm. sense. Then again, I guess people were probably saying that this time last year, and then uh, was it Dami FIFA, right? And just had that amazing run with a 3-5-2, and it became really popular. Um, but I guess that might be because of the personnel available at that point, as in the players available at that point, meant that that formation was more viable, I suppose. Because, I mean, we talk, we literally talked about this on the last pod, so I won't go over it again. But, like, if you're trying to play proper centre-backs at centre-back, they're not going to be max pace. And that will probably only change, you know, in a couple of, in a month or two. And it was later in the cycle, wasn't it, that Dami FIFA went on that run uh, with the 3-5-2. So, I guess what I'm saying, Richard, is it, it, it could change. But it doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. Um, It could change. I don't... Uh, I don't think it's likely this year. I don't think it will change this year. No, just with how the game is, like... Four triple two. Uh, some people are playing four two three one if they want to play a little bit slower. But with how sort yeah. of hail mary esque this FIFA is, especially at the esport level, like so many goals are scored that you you have to go on the front foot because you're going to concede three or four regardless over two legs. Mm. So you just have to try and do it yourself. Are you saying that three five two is too exposed to the the metas of FIFA twenty three? Uh, Richard, and that's why you think people yes, play. yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it just doesn't. It just can't be. I just. I really don't think it's equal. Like the 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 meta as a word, mm. like the three five two doesn't fall into that. Uh, just mm. with how this game plays, like the most effective tactic available isn't the three five two at the moment, unless mm -hmm. things change and it does become that, like it did last year with with Dami. But then people quickly found that out. And mm. I mean, we saw towards the back end of the year, people stopped going out of the 3-5-2. Yeah, I guess he had the element of surprise there. Um, but Neil, in terms of, you know, I guess not everyone's playing at the top level, of course, most people listening to this podcast won't be. So um, they can certainly catch people out like I've been caught out by it on, on occasion. So I would say for the average player, 3-5-2 is the best for attacking because people always complain, you need a 4-2-3-1, but they haven't got the extra striker. The 3-5-2 has that. They said they want a 4-4-2, but they haven't got a cam. 3-5-2 has that. Mm. And it almost has a branch of a 4-1-2-1-2 in the middle. 
Personally, I believe it can be played on a pro scene. I think one of the main reasons why it was moved away is because pressing is very difficult with it. Like if you're talking pro versus pro, to have a th- unless you have like one the strikers on comeback and defense, you have a midfield three. It's quite hard to press in that formation. That's the only downside. And it's space. And when Dami did use it, there was the element of counterattacks. But I think a lot of people still have it in the pool or they have like a 5 2 1 2. So I think, in mm. my opinion, it's still as effective on a pro scene. It's just about when to use it. Because when people, everyone thought 3 5 2 was like, no one even thought about it. But once someone used it and people figured out, okay, you know what, this is really good, then they realized, okay, how can we defend against it? So I think. At pro level, to start with a 3-5-2 is a bit risky because you need to kind of suss the game out. And I think you need like a 4-4-2, in my opinion, a 4-4-2, something of that nature, because you can at least press on the front foot as well. That's the downside with a 3-5-2. Pressing is actually quite hard with it um, because you, although you have two strikers, your left mid and right mid, they're just sitting back. So unless you have one striker and come back in a fence where you can manually bring a center mid out, but then you also you get mm-hmm. exploited. So it's quite risky. So, but I would say if you're like an average, like even if you're in the elite division, like let's say forget about pro level for a second, I still think for the average player, 3 5 is the best formation you can use. Definitely in terms of attack anyway. Of course, the negative is the defensive side, but maybe if you can't break through with a 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2, a 3-5-2 might be an option to change to. I just I just totally disagree because I, I think you have to be such a, in many ways, like a sophisticated FIFA player to understand how not to get exposed with the left mid and right mid, the way that AI works this year, as well as your like outside center backs. So if you're like, if you need help, those players, you have to do a lot with, in, in my mind, at least like you have to have a, a pretty good understanding and be pretty manual about what you're telling those players to do because they are not going to act the way you would want them to act and oftentimes leave huge gaps that are very easy to exploit with just pure pace. I think you're right. But I think if we took it, if you take into account, let's say you're playing in the elite division, for example, your opponent will actively think, okay, how can I counter this? Like it's more common, for example, something to change like a 424, 442, put some players on stay forward against a 352, then let's say like in division four, they'll just play with whatever formation they're used to. Mm-hmm. When I look at an average play when they play, they always try to build through the middle if they play like a 4 one 2 one 2 You see, maybe someone on a higher level may, may, for example, try to use a player lock to right center mid or might try to run with the right center mid down to do a 1-2 to the right back. But a lot of players in the elite division, they will do that. But I would say the average player wouldn't. And I think what happens is that when you're playing with a normal, let's say a 4-4-2 and they haven't got that cam, then they struggle a lot. Same thing if they play with a 4-2-2 and haven't got the extra striker. So I think I agree with what you're saying. But I just say just for that average player, for the way that they play, and a lot of, remember, don't forget on, on like even like division four or three, it's, it's not that they don't know, they just forget about it because and they get frustrated inside the game. And that's why I think it just works better for them. I would say the key thing is, I think you're probably right. Maybe not the three, five, two, the entire game. I always say play like a four, two, three, one. And I say, if you can't get through with a four, two, two, one or a four, triple two or your normal formation, then I say then change to a three, five, two. That's the way that I go about it anyway. Yeah, I think that's a very good point actually, because Often I'll hear from supporters and have played supporters who say, oh, not very good. I think you'll beat me pretty easily. And actually in those matches, what I realize is because they've been playing for a good amount of time, they understand football, they understand the shape and tactics. Actually, they're good defenders. They've, they've got defensive skill. I don't find it probably as easy as they'd expect. 
But the thing that they do struggle with is breaking down opponents, especially when you think the number of offensive tools like skills and things like that, they're quite complex actually. So I think a formation like 3-5-2 to me makes sense for players like that who perhaps feel comfortable defensively um, but want more tools in attack. So I think it's a good point. Uh, there are formations for everyone, I guess. And that's what Neil, you were saying you've been focusing on your channel, which makes a lot of sense and people should check that out. Actually, I did want to move on to Richard and tactics because I know you've been struggling, Richard, post-patch, post that dribbling patch. When you were last on, you were talking about it. Have you found anything that's made things better tactically? Are you still playing the 4 3 2 1? Uh, not at the moment, no. Oh, okay. uh, I've been probably for the last five, six weeks uh, just playing just a very simple 4 4 2. Oh. I think it's super well balanced. Yeah, it just feels it just feels good at the minute. I think obviously I was flying at the start of the year. I then had a bit of a, well, a massive collapse in performance um, mm. right around the patch. But now I think well, I've gone back to the four four two. I was I went rank three last weekend, rank two the weekend before. So I'm sort of like back to a a level that I, I want to be at, and it, I just feel as though nine times out of ten, if I'm the better player in that game, I will win that game because everything just falls as it should. Everything falls into place. I know where each player is going to be. I feel like something that's weird, this FIFA that I've not really noticed in previous FIFAs, when I were playing the 4-3-2-1 or trying different formations, my gaps in between the players seemed really strange at times. Sometimes my centre-mid to my left forward would be really big. Other times it'd be really small. And I typically play everything on balance. Whereas in the 4-4-2, I always feel the gap between left centre-back, left back, left back, left mid, left centre mid, left mid, always seems pretty much spot on where it should be. So I can mm -hmm. start to sort of make these patches apply, knowing where I'm going to spin the ball off and then dink it over the top before it's even coming to me because I know where that space is going to be. Mm, yeah, no, that's a good point. I often switch to 4-4-2 when I'm having a bit of a struggle in the game. I, I just think... What I find useful about it is that it almost always matches up my opponent's defense with four players. And I think this is why people like to play the 4-2-4 sometimes against players who are playing the 4-2-2, for example, because you match up their defenders with a player and that means that you get these kind of one-on-one -on -one opportunities and you can bring other players into the game and create chances like that. And it, it kind of feels quite refreshing to play every now and again. Um, so if people are kind of struggling, it could be something um, that's worth doing. Um, I wanted to kind of move on from tactics, although I, I was interested to know, Japes, are you trying out a 4-3-3 brackets too at the moment? Is that right? I think I finished rank two. Oh, nice. This past weekend with the 4-3-3. And the way, I talked about it in my newsletter, but the way EA sets up uh, like defensive width is just dumb this year or like the width in general like i play on in my 4332 i play on one attacking width one yep with one player in the box and i play defensive width i play at like 30 yeah. and i like basically this year for me i found that if i pack the middle of the park you can just win and if you don't play on a super super narrow attacking width in a 433 you're left wing and right wing basically are non-existent in the game. Like they're just non-existent. They're non-factors entirely. 
at least for my style. Like if you want to play any sort of like controlled four through three. Now, if you're playing on the counter, you might have them stay wide and just try to play, you know, on long ball or something and have them get in behind. But that's not really how I play. Also, Neil said something uh, earlier about forward runs. For a long time, I played like I switched pretty early from direct passing to forward runs. Um, ben, if you remember, like I felt like it was. Mm. It got more out of my strikers. They seem to be like more intelligent. But I have recently gone back to balanced in chance creation and find that that is really, of course, well balanced and perhaps more unpredictable in the sequencing of how you score your goals and how you you know build your play up. So I uh, have enjoyed that. And you know, I one of my biggest issues with this game is I think if you really actually want to be competitive, there are like three formations you can play, and that's it. And I don't think that was the case last year. Mm. So I recognize fully that I'm like putting myself at a disadvantage playing this formation, but it's still like, I'm still having fun with it. I would say it's performing better than I expected it to, mm. but recognize that like when I've used a meta formation, it's, you know, probably not as good as those meta formations. Yeah. And are you still playing 60 odd depth? Um, no, I'm playing, playing 90 now. Oh, so okay. Playing well, 90, okay. 90 depth press on possession loss. 30 width, and then my attack is balance, balance, one width, one get in the box. Mm. And so actually, it's quite nice when you have your width, both defensive yeah, super narrow. and attack. For pressing, it's really nice in a 4 3 3 setup. Yeah. The reason I chose 30, real quick, like if you watch on the defensive tactic on the right side of the screen, when you hit 30, it adds like an extra sentence. Mm. And all it says is it makes it harder for your opponents to play through the middle, but you leave more space out wide for opposition wingers mm. well it could be wary for a cutback but if you have your four defenders the left back and right back still say plenty wide mm. it just seems to like shift the ai mentality at least in my mind to be like let's not let people play through the middle so easy and mm. that's like the only change that i seem to notice i don't i don't find myself struggling to cover wide for you know people that actually try to expose width at all because you know, they just run up the line and you can t try to take an angle to prevent that and then make them recycle possession if they're going to do that. Yeah, that's actually something in terms of countering that I've found good in the false nine is if you hit hug sidelines, I mean, uh, and you're playing someone who's playing really narrow, you can just like play lobbed passes to the other side of the pitch and then uh, get in on that side because the players have to shift across and it creates opportunities. But yeah, so few people know to do that the playing narrow defensive width myself. I've never had a problem with anyone doing that against me. So um, yeah, uh, it, it is really effective to do that. I think anyone playing like a 4-3-3 variant would strongly recommend doing that. The final thing for me is like, yay, if you're listening, it feels really, really bad on a slider scale from zero to 100 that one is not like an absolute extreme mm. measure for how wide a formation feels. Like, on a hundred, I'd ex hundred width. I'd expect my players to be like really, really spread out and on the touchline. And on one, I'd expect my players to be like you know hands in each other's pockets. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just not the case at all. Like it, it just doesn't feel that way at all. So I feel I don't know if that's another one of these like bugs. And I say bug in the sense of like the explosive dribbling thing. Like oh, putting low width was not having the intended, you know, blah, blah, mm. blah, that type of thing. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but it just feels really, really odd to me. Um, mm. So if you're struggling and you look at because nobody's going to look at the screen and go, let's play one, right? Let's play one <laughs> width. That feels like a good idea. Yeah. It just doesn't 
it like I had to like functionally change the way I thought about it. Um, yeah, it's true because you're thinking like they're going to be lined up like they're in a wall, right? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're thinking they're going to be like right next to each other holding hands. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, there's going to be so much space out wide that I'm not going to be able to defend those wide positions. And it's just not the case at all. So yeah, give, yeah. if you're struggling for, with people playing through the middle, give your like, you know, one to 10 width or whatever a chance. And Japes, you got to pop off a bit early. Um, there was some good discussion on the content podcast, hence uh, you know, being a little bit delayed with this pod, but um, it's been great to have you on this podcast. Cheers, Ben. Happy to be back. Happy to always chat, you know, tactics and all the little intricacies of gameplay on FIFA. It's mm. There's always something uh, new and changing and fun to talk about. So enjoy the chat here. If you guys want to check out those four through three tactics, you can, of course, find it on my newsletter um, at AirJapes on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you very much, Japes. We'll dive back in to talk about goalkeepers and passing inside the box in just a moment after this break. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. How does a free case of delicious craft beers sound this festive season? With a World Cup, but of course Christmas upon us, our very good friends at Beer52 are offering you a free case of eight craft beers. Simply go to beer52.com forward slash foot and cover the meager cost of $5.95 for postage to claim your free case now. I've been getting Beer52 beers for a while and absolutely love them. Each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, showcasing the best independent breweries from across the globe. There's no better way to enjoy good beer during the World Cup and Christmas. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents from refreshing pale ales to dark stouts. The UK's number one beer club always delivers. If dark beer isn't your thing, you can choose a light-only case and you'll also get Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And if after all that, you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So that's a free case of craft beer over at beer52.com forward slash foot. That's beer52.com forward slash F-U-T. Thank you very much to Beer52, a reminder to drink responsibly, and let's get back into the pod. Welcome back. We've still got Neil and Richard here. We're going to be talking about goalkeeper movement, something that came up after the last podcast, and goalkeeper chem styles, because TWiz was asking what chemistry style you tend to use on your keepers. So what do you tend to go for normally, Richard? It's one of those things that I've just never... I don't think I've ever this FIFA applied a chemistry style to my goalkeeper. Interesting. I've, I've gone basic all the way through. I, I use a lot of manual goalkeeper movement. Mm. So with the right stick, like as long as my goalkeeper's saving what he should save and sometimes pulls off a save that he shouldn't save, I'm I'm happy with it. Like mm. it's not something that I've I've not really, I, like, I just don't, it's not, I've not even come into my mind when looking at my opposite team. Yeah, that makes sense. I think we should talk actually. I'm sure Neil will come to you on chem styles, but, just bring you in as you mentioned it on the goalkeeper movement element Richard because we touched on it a bit last week but it'd be good to get some more specifics I guess from you when are you using it what do you do that sort of thing it'd be interesting to know anytime I see a potential traveller or finesse mm. I will move to the other corner okay even if it's like outside the box yes nice just for the simple fact that 
I'm happy to concede goals on FIFA as long as I don't feel like they're cheap goals. Mm. And I think the the, the Traveller, even before it was almost unsavable, now, unless it's green timed, I feel as though it's quite a, it's a cheap goal to concede. It's a goal that's not been worked for. So mm. I will always try and move the keeper uh, on that Traveller, on that mm. finesse. Inside the box, if it looks... If it's a one-on-one, I'll bring the keeper out a little bit and then if they've got any sort of composure, they'll not chip it and take the time. Mm. And then I'll just... I'll Typically, I'll always try and go far post with the keeper. So I'll, I'll move a couple of inches to the side and just try and predict it. A lot of the time, it's a guessing game. I would probably say I'm about 70-30 success rate when I move the keeper like it's probably one of my better things that I'm good at doing using that goalkeeper and getting the most out of him interesting and I've used Courtois pretty much all year mm. in terms of goalkeeper one thing that I remember it was Greg Hartley he was on the podcast and he made a good point about when you move the keeper you should try and release the keeper when they would actually make the save if that makes sense so the the number one thing that I do Mm. when the power bar is going up and the shot's coming in, make sure that you're out of the goalkeeper movement animation. Because mm. if you're still moving them when he's shooting, the shot, it will just 90% of the time go in. Got it. If you yeah. moved and then you've stopped and then the goalkeeper's planted in a new position and you've sort of, you've moved the keeper, all you're doing is moving the keeper to a new area to save the shot. Mm. Um, and if the attacker's switched on, they'll shoot to the other side and it'll be an easy goal. Nice. But my sort of thought process is if I can get that keeper in a quicker spot from where they were previously, just hold them there, shoot, it goes straight into my hands. Again, it's a goal that I've I've prevented almost. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's a freebie that I've been given. Mm. Uh, makes sense. And uh, we'll move on to Neil then. In terms of chemistry style, first of all, any particular one that you tend to go for? I, mean, I guess it may depend on depend on the keeper a bit i always go with glove um even before when um people used to use basic all the time because he used to give you plus yeah. 10 I yeah basic was with... kind of strong wasn't it because <laughs> you got plus 10s on everything but I, I never use it i i always use glove because glove used to give plus 15 and my logic again it's not like a scientific logic behind it but it's something i had when i was younger is that if the goalkeeper has 99 positioning and his posi- positioning is correct he's got the highest chance of saving that because if you mm. have, for example, a goalkeeper, let's say, who's really tall and a goalkeeper that's short, um, sometimes, you know, let's, let's for a second put goalkeeper movement aside, the most important thing is he's positioned in the correct place to make that save. So that mm. was kind of my logic. It's kind of like a good goalkeeper will always make a you know, the hard save, a goalkeeper might die for it, but if you position correctly, just like a tap away. So that was my logic. So I would always maximize 99 positioning, and that would be the main thing. If they had 99 positioning already, I would use something else, but most of the time, even now, 99% of the time I'll be using a glove. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not so keen on it for the reason you mentioned, just because now it's only plus four on positioning where it used to be so much more and plus four is the same as basic. I think the the fact that you're getting a big handling boost though means that for me it is really good because poor handling, balls being spilled back to 
opposition strikers is just such a painful thing to experience and also actually a lot of even good keepers don't have particularly high handling so it's quite helpful to boost up uh, reflexes tends to be a higher stat and that's not getting uh, boosted also boost diving by plus eight which is fairly good and i think the big thing is it doesn't boost kicking and speed which are the two less useful stats i mean they're not useless but they're certainly not the most useful so yeah, really i think is. that makes a lot of sense to, to not bother with that um but uh, I think quite a lot of people like cat, I think it is, because it boosts the positioning speed, which is kind of useful, and reflexes, which doesn't get boosted by a glove. And I can see why that would be something quite helpful on certain keepers. So reflexes, yeah, but I think diving is one of the big areas that I concede most of my goals. So that's why I try to prioritize both positioning and diving. Yeah, I would always try to get a good baseball keeper in the first place. That would be number one. And then mm. if I'm going to use chemistry style, I would personally prefer the diving. Because like kicking, I don't really care. It's important, don't get me wrong, but it's not the most important thing for saving. That's the most important thing for me. So I think, yeah, speed and it's important. So is kicking uh, and even reflex even more important. But I think for me, diving and positioning is the two most important things. Yeah. In terms of goalkeeper movement, uh, I think Richard covered it really well, but is there anything else you'd add on that? So I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, really. I think when it's uh, Travella, I'd move the goalkeeper. Um, if it's a corner, I still move the goalkeeper now because they've nerfed um, how consistent. So if it's like an inward swinger, I would move the mm. goalkeeper that much. But if it's an out swinger, I'd move it all the way to um, about, about two or three paces to the right-hand side uh, towards the near post from that corner where it's being taken from. Um, I think inside the box, if there's someone going through on goal, I'd bring the goalkeeper out, exactly what Richard said. Um, that's why triangle and Y. Um, that closed the gap. In terms of goalkeeper movement, I use it religiously. I think on the higher elite levels, it's all about deception. So you know, once you move your goalkeeper once, your opponent knows what's going to happen. So it's kind of like you have to then play a bit of a... De- I enjoy it. It's like a deception game. You know, are you going to mm. go near post? Because the average person, it's not really... If you, for example, cut inside, and the average person is going to go far post there or cross goal. Um, but if you move your goalkeeper once, an elite player most of the time will try to go uh, for the near post angle to kind of counter your near post movement. But I only move it once or twice mm. inside the game, and but they're just at the key moments. And I wouldn't do it all the time. So if I move it once, the second time I won't move it at all, and the third time maybe I would move it. Um, but I think Richard is actually correct with, I think, uh, the goalkeeper movement. And actually, I see even a lot of pro players make that mistake as well, is they move the goalkeeper, but you have to let the goalkeeper settle. That's the thing, because if the goalkeeper, mm. so if you if you're moving the if you have the right analog stick being moved while the person is actually powering up the shot, even if you release it before he powers up the shot, the goalkeeper needs to move, settle, put his hands up, and then he's ready to save. But if you do it midway through the animations, that's why sometimes a ball sometimes goes through your players or your feels like your goalkeeper mm. doing the matrix to avoid the boys because you're moving the goalkeeper too late. So. I normally move it a pace to the left or a step to the right. That's the way that I do it. So if there's someone, and I know, for example, the cross goal angle is one of the, the most effective ways of scoring this year, especially the low driven, I'll just move it one pace to the left. That way he's still covering the near post angle, but that way I'm also covering a bit more of the far post. So if he if it does go in, it's either got to be a high powered shot or it's got to be a green time shot. So that's the way that yeah. I do it when it comes to goalkeeper movement. I'd agree with that. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see when people are moving the keeper is basically moving it too much. They 
either hold for too long, as Richard was saying, or they actually move the keeper more steps to the side than they need to. Um, you only need to move the keeper just very slightly to actually you know, close down the far post or whatever. Um, I would also add, in terms of beating keepers, I've actually been doing a lot more uh, power shots recently and have found that you know, if you are trying to beat someone who's moving the keeper or just have more time than you would typically have because I don't know, you beat the defense quite comfortably. A power shot, when you're close to the goal, because it provides that extra power uh, and you're very likely to get it on target because you're right in front of the goal, uh, can actually be really good. I, I like it, especially if you're uh, in a situation where you've just received the ball and you can kind of press it straight away because they're not likely to be able to close you down quick enough quite a lot of the time. It takes a bit of getting used to, um, but it is very good. Also, a little thing that I've found recently, and I kind of wonder whether this might be a bit of a bug because of how ridiculous uh, the shot animation is. Um, not many people probably know this. I'd be interested to know whether you two do. Or you probably do, but if you're taking a free kick and you call the second man, so press LT to call the second man, and then you press the X or square button, so the cross button, it like flicks up the ball. So the player running on for the layoff shot actually receives the ball slightly on the volley. When you do that, you trigger that layoff pass, instantly press power shot, and the shot animation is this like really flat, especially if you don't power up too much, shot that beats the keeper seemingly every time if you get it on target. It seems really good. I've got a few clips of it and something that people should try. Uh, let me move on to this final question then, uh, which is about passing inside the box. You actually talked earlier, Neil, about cutting these out, but Brendan Webb says, I uh, would love to get some tips for quick passing inside the box. Feels like if I receive the ball in the box and try an extra pass, it's interception city. I'm usually just using a regular X button pass to do this. So I would say if you're looking for the, a general cutback, you have to kind of wait a little bit. Um, I think the key thing that people always forget is they just think, okay, why does my, when a pro player or a better player plays, why is that player always free? Um, you have to wait for the players. Like if you have a player running inside, let him go offside, let him come back on. So I would say use some sort of dribbling, like a strafe dribbling, the L1 or LB, or the agile dribbling, R1 or RB. I think it does make a difference. Just wait a little bit. Keep the ball, let the players reposition. And um, in terms of passing, I would say also it depends on what level you're playing at. On the elite level, it's all about trying to find the angle. Like you could spend like half the game having just one shot on goal, just trying to find that angle. Um, but I would say most of the time, use the combination of the L1 or the R1 dribbling or LBRB and just try to find that space or that extra man or let that player make that movement. If not, you can always use the L1 button to trigger a player going forward or likewise you can use the R1 button to call a player short if you need that assistance. Yeah, then Richard, any tips on that yourself, like passing around in the box? Very similar to what, what Neil said, really. Just play what's on. If you've, If there's no pass on, don't just pass it because you feel as though you, you should mm. and that's what you should do. Take an extra touch, recycle out of the box if you need to, work the other side. Also, don't be afraid. One of the my sort of biggest ways that I'll score, especially on those cutbacks, is driving to the byline. The heel-to-heel -heel sort of, um, mm. if you're facing, the, you're facing the goal, do a heel-to-heel -heel against your man, but as if you're about to heel-to-heel -heel out of play. And if you can just nip there before it goes out of play, typically you, you you play with either slide and they'll keep it in, or if you've got a quick player with good dribbling, they'll just keep the ball in anyway. Mm. The cutback, it will get patched, but the cutback straight across the goal, the goalkeeper will never get there. 
So sometimes it's actually easier to pass it in a straight line across the goal rather than it needs to cut it back. Mm. They, as crazy as that sounds. They tried to fix it, didn't they? But it just didn't it's really not get fixed. fixed. Yeah. No, um, it's uh, it's certainly not fixed yet yeah. properly, as it should be. So I think just keep calm. Try and be patient when you're inside the box. Don't force it. And look, if you can't cut it back, just press circle, just shoot. And yeah. you might get a weird deflection. You might get a corner. Don't force the ball and, and turn it over mm. because uh, because it's a packed penalty area. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And I don't know whether either of you mentioned the uh, double tap ground pass, which you know pops it up, um, can sometimes be really helpful for just getting it through um, between defenders and things like that and then hitting it first time. And I think the thing I would also add is like you were saying, Richard, getting to the byline I really enjoy that sort of uh, mental battle with the defender as you kind of get close to the byline and they're like, oh, is he going to cut back? Is he going to cut back? And it's it's a very, it's actually one of those things where you think as an attacking player, oh, it's easy to defend because almost like the byline, it's a defender in a way that can take the ball away from you instantly. But actually as a defensive player, you don't want to get sucked too close to the byline because you know they can then cut it back across the goal more easily. So the closer you can get to the byline in some ways actually creates kind of more danger than you'd think. And it's amazing how often a defender won't follow you all the way to the byline when you think they probably should and you can just kind of continue going down the side. And I think that's something that uh, people should kind of practice if they want to kind of get really good at cutbacks and passing around the box because, um, yeah, committing your defender and then being able to go past them is like really, really helpful in those situations. So uh, I think that's very good advice. I think we are yeah, definitely ready to wrap up there. So uh, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll have you both on in the near future. And Richard, first of all, yeah, I hope you, hope you recover soon enough because we, we've, got, we've got a Christmas quiz to record. Yeah, we certainly do. Um, hopefully, hopefully can shake this off. It's been about five, six days now. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm definitely coming out of the back end of it. So uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, hopefully by Thursday should be all good. But uh, yeah, thank you for for having me on as always. Oh, it's been great to have you on, and I guess not right at the moment, but you may be streaming or even on esports streams. Um, so where can people catch you? Hear about that? Yeah. So uh, as always, switch out to me forward slash buckley ninety eight or across any social media mm-hmm. buckley ninety eight and uh, keep your eyes peeled twitch.tv forward slash EA Sports FIFA to see my face on there perfect and thank you very much as well to Neil Guides always good to have you on this podcast and people can find you on YouTube on Twitch sometimes too yes uh, so you can find me on all socials uh, Neil Guides uh, mainly on YouTube I would say is where I'm kind of currently at mm-hmm. or any of those services but yeah it's all at Neil Guides and again thank you very much for having me on it's been a pleasure thank you very much for coming on and I should say at the end here of course if you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to get next week's podcast then do subscribe to the pod via all the various different podcast platforms and also the pod is on YouTube so if you're listening on YouTube then do drop it a like subscribe as I'm sure Neil is very used to saying to his his own viewers Um, it really helps out as well if you could leave a comment um, you know say something nice about Neil and Richard I'm sure they'll appreciate it and actually talking of appreciating it we greatly appreciate of course all the listeners out there and the supporters and if you're a listener who'd like to become a supporter then there's no better time to do it because along with that extra podcast every week this week the content pod next week the gameplay pod 
you can enter a 36,000 FIFA point giveaway. Uh, you can do that by heading over to the Patreon to support the pod at bit.ly slash Xmas 23 points. The link is in the description. And you can also just search Support Foot Weekly. The post for the giveaway is pinned. Your support would be greatly appreciated. And if you're a current supporter, it certainly is already. And a big thank you too to those icon patrons. Dave B, Hugh J, Coach Vass, DJ FIFA player, Alan G, Alistair, Anthony R, Dominic P, Rob P, Jeff B, Stephen F, Tom B, Damon H, David S, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Neil P, Adam G, Elliot M, Dan W, Waterman, Jake G, Roger D, Springford, Nishant, Harry P, Alex M, Lee A, Brendan W, Andrew C, Joe W, Timothy J, Dylan, Adam R, Sam K, Graham W, Andy, Ads H2K, and Brian V. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W, and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you, just one more thing to add, though. FIFA's a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.